in the Gospel book of Matthew, chapter 18, we read these powerful words. Jesus called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you ever wonder what happened to that little child? Well, church history and legend will tell us that that little child did grow up, and his name is Ignatius of Antioch. Hey, it's Charlie. Thanks for listening to the Encouragers United Podcast. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Encouragers United podcast. You know, I thought I'd change some things up and uh, just talk a little bit about some of what I've been learning lately. Rather than share a sermon, I'll throw a little bit of church history at you. I've been intrigued by reading about some of the earliest uh, followers of Jesus. These uh, men and women obviously were uh, living during the time of the Acts of the Apostles and shortly thereafter in the first century. And one of those I mentioned in the, in, in the intro is Ignatius. Ignatius was born probably sometime around 30 to 35 AD. Uh, and so, like I inferred, there's a legend about his childhood. He is believed to have grown uh, up in uh, Antioch, of course, and, or in that region, and he became a disciple of John the Apostle. So I want you to think about that. The writer and the uh, disciple we know as John went on uh, to do great things, obviously, after Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. And tradition states that Ignatius became a Christian, a, a Christ follower, at a very young age. And that's that legend. It's unconfirmed, but it is a neat little story that likens Ignatius to that little child uh, that's mentioned in uh, the, the book of Matthew in chapter 18 there, and also in the book of Mark chapter 9. As he grew, he rose to a position of prestige, and he became the bishop of the city of Antioch. As his life progressed, he was known as a tenacious defender against heresies and other modifications to Christian belief that had risen. And so he was deemed uh, a wonderful defender of the faith. Ignatius, unfortunately, in about the year 107, was accused and tried and condemned uh, to die in Rome by the imperial authorities for simply being a Christian. They sent a contingent of soldiers to transport Ignatius from Antioch to Rome, and it is assumed that he was to die as entertainment for the people in Rome, probably at the hands or at the claws of the lions in the Colosseum. Now, this was a 7,000-mile journey. Can you imagine? They purposely sent this contingent to haul this elderly uh, bishop <laughs> from Antioch to Rome, and it, it took them quite a while, as you can imagine. Now, they would stop along the way, 
And what is uh, written is that churches from all around the region had heard that poor Ignatius was being transported to his death. And so they came to see him. They came to see him and to hear from him, and he was allowed to interact with people as he was traveling along. And so people from the regions of Asia Minor, so that would include churches like Ephesus, uh, the uh, pathway that they took, took them right through Philippi, uh, Magnesia, these other areas of that area of the world, obviously, sent contingents from the churches to meet Ignatius and to encourage him. There was a scribe that was allowed to travel along with the party, and this scribe was assigned to dictate or write out what Ignatius dictated to him. And Ignatius dictated six letters to these various churches and then one more letter to his bishop counterpart named Polycarp. Many of you may recognize that uh, name. But these were no simple travel journals. These were letters that would become most, some of the most significant writings in our understanding of the early Christian theology. And they uh, wrote out many of the beginnings of the church from what we would call an ecclesiastical viewpoint, as well as his views on persecution and his eventual martyrdom. Ignatius's last words are kind of like the Apostle Paul's epistles. They're not scripture like Paul's letters are, but they have been very formative as a source of instruction, uh, sometimes debate and reflection for countless people since they were written in the year, you know, whatever, 108 to 109. Now, you need to understand that Ignatius, Polycarp, and another man named Clement of Rome are considered to be three of the most influential figures of this first century time next to Jesus' original disciples themselves. So they are like the second generation of the leaders of the church. And there's much debate about their writings, but it, these men remain as inspirational in their character and in their faithfulness to really lay the foundational blocks for the Christian church today. You know, there's very little that we uh, know about why this beloved bishop from Antioch was arrested and transported these 7,000 miles back to Rome simply to be executed at the Colosseum or other places as entertainment for the Roman people. But I will tell you that if the Roman emperor Trajan, who was in power at that time, wanted to create a spectacle to stimulate the senses or to make a statement about Christians, uh, he certainly did. He created an incident that endures even today as one of the most dramatic displays of sincere Christian faithfulness since Jesus' crucifixion itself. Nearly 2,000 years later, Ignatius's words of faithfulness still endure today. You see, the followers at that time wanted to help him escape. And legends state that they were going to uh, schedule and try to execute a rescue. And he actually stopped them from doing that. He said these words that were so timeless for uh, his followers and his friends back then, but even for us today. He says, when I suffer, I'll sh I shall be free in Christ, and with him I shall rise again in freedom. In essence, he's saying, don't 
stop God's will for my life. Even unto the end, I'm going to be faithful. Ignatius of Antioch is often referred to as the bearer of God. I thought that so astounding that his nickname, in essence, or his label in history is the bearer of God. You see, all people are the image bearers of God. We all bear the image because we're created to be like God, right? In the book of Genesis, we read that God created man, us, in his own image. And he went on to say that's good. That's actually very good. But I want to tell you that if we are sincere, faithful believers in Jesus, we are bearers of not only God's image, but also God's spirit. Ignatius lived a truly extraordinary life in an extraordinary time in history. He was born shortly before or just slightly after Christ's dramatic crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. He lived, and he was probably a young disciple, during the most critical years of the church's development, as we can read about that in the book of Acts. He may have even be, been present at the church in Antioch where those hands were being laid upon Paul and Barnabas that fateful day when they were sent out on their first missionary journey to spread the good news of Jesus. Can you imagine? And then, in his own way, he would later go on to encourage and instruct those same churches that Paul and Barnabas would, would plant. And we have even his last words in these letters. And he stands today as a faithful example of a passionate and authentic Christ follower, even unto his own death as a martyr. And I'll tell you what, I want you to be encouraged today that we too can aspire to be bearers of God's image and his spirit, just like those and leaders like Ignatius of Antioch oh so long ago, living faithfully in their time. May we live faithfully in our time today. I'm Charlie Grimes, ex-athletic coach, exercise physiologist, and athletic director turned pastor, podcaster, and author. It wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the courage, the money, and the time to truly step into my God-given giftedness to encourage, teach, and lead people to a deeper and more fulfilling, meaningful life. After many failed attempts and lessons learned, I now enjoy the work of coming alongside people, hearing their stories, and helping them start where they are, take what they have, and do what they can. This work used to only be a daydream for me. I created the Encouragers United podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step -step teaching and encouragement through both meeting new people and unpacking the valuable lessons found in the Bible. If you're an ambitious leader, teacher, pastor, coach, or even a parent, who's looking to make a positive impact in the lives of everyone around you, we've got a show for you. It's the Encouragers United Podcast, and it's available on all major platforms. Search for us also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and join my community of positive-minded, enthusiastic leaders at charlesrgrimes.com.